never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to Neff Inspiration, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another fantastic day for an interview. And today is going to be a cool, cool interview. I've got Chris Claytis with me. Chris is uh, a man who uh, has experienced his first major anxiety attack shortly after getting into college. And anxiety is a bitch. We all know that. And, you know, some of us are overachievers. So is Chris. So he is not just a little bit of anxiety, but massive anxiety. And he has basically not just learned to live with it, but he is actually saying, you know what, guys, don't just run away from it, actually embrace it. Now, you could say, what a heap of bullshit. Um, I actually completely share his opinion. So let's see how he argues about his take on life and take on anxiety. Chris, welcome to my show. Uh, it's great to be great to be here, man. I'm really, really excited about this interview. <laughs> now, uh, everyone in 2023 is anxious. Everyone is mm -hmm. is 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 out there, and anxiety is running a riot. And everyone nowadays seems to have a diagnosis of anxiety something. Um, what does anxiety disorder for you mean? How did your first anxiety attack feel for you? Yeah, that was a long time ago. And, and and one thing I want to say really quickly is what you were saying that everyone has it now. I think a lot of people probably didn't realize they might have had not necessarily, um, you know, a disorder, right? Even in my book, I say I don't call it I call it disorder once and then I call it a challenge because I think labels are really important. Good. And they can affect the way you think about things. And, mm -hmm. you know, so um and I think, yeah, I do think, you know, COVID, there's always think, all these things that happened recently that people are like, oh my God, I'm feeling like tightness in my chest and I, I feel, you know, sweaty palms and stuff they never felt before. And maybe, you know, maybe it was under the radar for a while and then something like COVID or something big happens in their life and all of a sudden they realize that they have been struggling with some, and some, some, it just comes on all of a sudden. Hmm. Um, I think, I think COVID was anxiety provoking for, for many people just being, locked up and and um cordoned off and mm -hmm. on top of each other and so um and there was a lot of fear a lot of fear of what we were dealing with is you know when i i actually first experienced um really what was a panic attack and that was you know the it, i think my anxiety had been building like once that happened and once i got older i could look back to see actually what transpired i think that i was there was stuff that was building in within me for a while. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated high school, we were at something that's called beach week where everyone goes to the beach mm -hmm. after their senior year in high school mm -hmm. uh, to celebrate, you know, moving on, going to college. And I was sitting in the back of a car. We were going from, we were going driving from one location to another at the beach. And I just felt not only just this, oh, it was more of an overwhelming kind of doom mm. feeling. Physically, it was probably just a tightness in my chest, um, you know, tingling. And I did everything I could just to push it down and, you know, just act like everything was fine. Everyone in the car was having fun. They were, I'm sure someone was drinking. I'm sure, you know, we were going to a party. And I remember getting to the location, getting out of the car, and I just finally could breathe. And I was just like, what? the F just happened. 
And that was my first experience. And I had no idea what it was at all. Nothing mm-hmm. back in that, back in that time of day, um, there was really not a lot out there about um, anxiety. So mm-hmm. it was really frightening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you say that, that you felt that things were building up prior to that with hindsight. Um how, was that basically because of your um, your efforts uh, to get good grades at school? Was it because you were bullied? Was it because there were maybe adverse childhood experiences? Yeah, that's a really good question. I now looking back, yeah, it was. I had a, um, you know, my childhood was was pretty intense, um, and. I know my parents love me. I, I, you know, we, we had a good home, you know, roof over our head. We had food. We had, you know, we had a lot of nice things. Um, however, there was just emotionally, there was neglect that was going on. And my dad was traveling a lot. Um, I never was really, really close to him, which um, unfortunately he passed away. Um, and we never really get to got to get really close um, so I think that, uh, my, my mother was, a, was an alcoholic. Um, she also became, started abusing prescription drugs later in life. My sister struggled with things. So it was just a chaotic childhood. And I think that I, that was brewing underneath that I wasn't really talking to anyone about it. And I think that one of the things with anxiety is if you stuff emotions, if you're feeling certain emotions and you're kind of trying to keep that down, it's mm-hmm. like a pressure cooker. And so that 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 just trying to keep that down creates it's creates anxiety. And then right before Beach Week, I had a probably what I would say now is like some sort of depression. I mean, I was just, you know, depression is really like no feeling. It's not feeling sad. It's not feeling happy. It's just kind of numb. And I was feeling that quite a bit before the end of 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 uh, high school. And so I, th- I really think it was a matter of all this stuff going on and I wasn't telling anyone and it was mm-hmm. just living inside of me brewing and brewing and brewing. That's mm-hmm. really what I think, you know, was the, was the source. Mm-hmm. And I love it how you, you describe it like a volcano erupting because that's what it is. I often describe it as a, as a big wave in the sea and you're swimming and this wave is coming towards you. You see it and you might be angry about it and you can, you can shout at the wave and say, I hate you, go away. And the wave just doesn't give a damn. It just comes. (laughs) But as with everything, the, the wave is coming and you, it's your choice. Ultimately what you do, you can let the power of the wave pummel you and experience it or you can just try to dive underneath it can try to surf it whatever it is mm-hmm. um the surf will come you like it or lump it number one but number two right. is also after a certain time it's gone so mm-hmm. that's a panic attack so you've got a wave of neurochemicals washing over you but then thereafter you come back down to a uh, kind of level and that level might be mm-hmm. normal or might be actually a, a raised level of anxiety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, certain things like raised level of anxiety is that's part and parcel of PTSD. So I certainly had a very nasty gang assault uh, when I was 13. My levels mm-hmm. of anxiety were always much higher than maybe others. Mm-hmm. Did you have any specific incidences that, that you can pinpoint with hindsight, which raised your, your baseline? Of anxiety? Yeah. 
well, you brought up PTSD and, you know, that's something that I never really, you know, I always thought when I was younger, like, or when I first started to understand anxiety a little bit more, mm. that it was just a biochemical, like, mm. you know, something chemically going on in my, in my brain. Um, that's possible for some people, but when I started to get into therapy and really to start explore my background and how I grew up, um, you know, some, one person said, called a complex PTSD with PTSD. It's like, you have one major event mm. that happens like, like, you, you know, what happened to you? I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Um, where complex PTSD is like, it might not be as intense, but it's, it's, it's there more often. It's just kind of there constantly. Mm. So, um, like I said about my mother, my, my dad was, was, you know, traveling around for work. My mother was, was drinking quite a bit. So I felt a responsibility in the house being the man to kind of almost take care of her, you know? And so mm. that was a huge responsibility because mm. she was, she was out of control, you know? And so, mm. um, you know, she was very sick. And so that happening quite a bit, um, mm. I actually also was in a very serious car accident um, when I was a uh, late teens. Um, I was mm -hmm. very, very lucky. Um, and I think that now looking at even looking at that, that's more of a PTSD event, even though I was asleep when it happened, th that it lives in your body. Mm. You know, my body went through that, right? Mm -hmm. And um, not only did I almost kill myself, but two other people in the car. And I never again, this is something that came up recently. I never really thought about that, but that's an that's a massive trauma to the body, you know, mm. awake or not. So I would say, um, you know, what was going on um in my in my household and then some of these other events. I never really got bullied. I definitely felt like an outsider. Mm. Um, I definitely felt like a lone wolf a lot. And, you know, that um, you know, that probably brought on a little sadness for me and feeling you know, I, maybe feeling a little shame or even feeling some anger. Mm. Um, but I do think it was just the prolonged disconnect that was happening in the family and mm. which which ultimately resulted in in trauma. I know trauma is a big but but like a big buzzword now. Mm. Um, but I do believe that um, mm. you know these things can live in the body. You can you know write about it in the book. You can talk about it as much as you want, you know, which is amazing. And it, it it allows you to release that that pressure a little bit. Um, but for me, it felt like everything was from the neck up. Mm. And meanwhile, everything was staying fully entrenched down here. Right. Isn't it? And so. Yeah. No, so true. So true. And it's it's hard because I'm still swinging in my mind. When I see statistics nowadays that one in five teenagers, uh, female teenagers, has an established anxiety disorder, I just say, oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, everyone is everyone is now transgender, bi, everyone is is uh, anxiety, everyone. Uh, one side of me wants to be the, the hard ass. The other side of me actually says, well, hang on, there is so much going on in our lives. Are we finally actually accepting it? Are we finally actually putting a spotlight on mm -hmm. those harder experiences that no doubt are necessary to create the person you are but at the same token leave their mark often in some very nasty core beliefs and very nasty behaviors to actually deal with that so i'm still 
floating back and forth, uh, and there's kind of schizophrenia, two voices in my head there. Um, you know, so, you know that's it. What, what's what's good about that is that you know you you are hearing a lot more about it today, and um, what's good about that is that people are more vocal about it. I think that you know when I when I moved from the East Coast to Los Angeles. Um, there really wasn't a lot, a lot, a lot of people, at least on the East coast, uh, it was very much more buttoned up, you know, on the East coast, at least where I grew up. And I think one of the reasons I was drawn to Los Angeles was that it was very free as far exploring who you, who you are as a person. Right. And, um, you know, different types of therapies and modalities that, that mm. uh, people were more open to talk about their their issues, mm. and so I think that nowadays with the internet and social media is mm. bad as social media as bad as I think social media is, it also gives people the opportunity to come out and tell their truth and have sure. people like, oh, my, you know what, I I'm going through that too. I'm going mm. through that as well, and, mm. and thank you for saying that. And mm. so it's just with the younger generation, I do think that they have the opportunity. Um, to get help that maybe didn't exist back then, or, or the stigma was much, much more, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the stigma for men is still there a little bit. I mean, I think that's one of the things I hope my hope is that this book gets to a lot of men, because I think men will sit on things and suffer in silence and, and, and just I'm going to grit it out and tough yep. it out. And, yep. and that's bullshit, you know? Couldn't agree more, man. Um, boys don't cry. Yeah, my ass. Um, but then again, this we are our self-fulfilling prophecy here, um, because we are. It is certainly in New Zealand here. It's a very masculine kind of world. Uh, the middle age kind of men like me, we are men. We're man's. We're you know, we've we've got tractors. We've got hunting dogs. We've got we go hunting. Um, yeah, we drag our our knuckles from now and then through the mud. Um, and having said that, we have got certainly here in our uh, society, we have got the second highest youth suicide rate uh, in the OECD. So oh, wow. there, yeah. So it comes with a price, and increasingly, the government as well as other organizations are recognizing them, and people are speaking out, and that is beautiful. So I actually agree hundred percent with you. We are blessed to a certain degree that there is more vocal acceptance out there. At the same token. We need to say, uh, last week a study came out who said that teenagers who are spending more than three hours um, on their devices have got a significant rise level of anxiety. So mm -hmm. are we not creating the problem with the internet, with the social media? Yeah, it's a tool. Like, it's a tool, right? I mean, anything can be abused, you know, in into submission, you know? So I think that you know, we wouldn't be able to talk right now if the internet didn't exist, right? <laughs> touché, so, touché. <laughs> so, so I think that, but I'm not a big, big social media fan. I mean, I got more involved because of the book, but, um, and I think that, you know, when Facebook started connecting with people that you haven't seen in many, many years, but I think when you start getting into comparison and FOMO and <laughs> looking at people's <laughs> high, highlight reels, it can get you in a lot of trouble, especially, like you said, especially the younger set who, um, who are more malleable, their brains are still forming. And so 
Um, mm. So yeah, it can it can go either way. You you know, social media could be depending on what you're looking at could really be helpful. You know, you wake up and you look at an inspiring quote, or you go somewhere else and you see some guy that's you know driving his Lamborghini around, and that's what you want, and you're comparing himself to to him. So. Um, yeah, it can be a double-edged sword. And, um, and you know, I tell people, I even wrote about this in the book, like, just, just don't look at social media for a day and just check in to see how you feel. You feel, I, I mean, I feel, I feel so much better. You know, uh-huh. it's like, it, it, it's interesting that the dopamine and all the, everything that's going on in your body that it's triggering, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you get a like, it's like, oh my God, it's like this, it's like this rush, this rush. Um, so it can be very dangerous and uh, and create anxiety as well, definitely. 100%. For those of you listening or watching and have no clue what FOMO is, the fear of missing out, FOMO. But there is also the opposite, JOMO, is the joy of missing out. Actually, uh, okay. of, you, of you actually saying that today is a free day and I actually go into nature or do something else. Um, so it doesn't need to be FOMO. It can be JOMO. Um, and actually okay. actively living a more intentional life. Because mm-hmm. that's what we're coming down when we're talking about, about uh, the ways that how we can deal with raised levels of anxiety or uh, panic attacks. Um, that's where a lot of the, the resilience work then comes in. But I mean, so yeah. far, you were on your spring break, uh, you were on your or, or your, your beach week, uh, you were yeah. uh, basically uh, petrified, mortified, yeah. doomed. How did that story continue? Typically, at some stage there, the alcohol comes in. Because the alcohol makes everything better, does it not? Yeah. So I, I, when I got into college, you know, going back to the whole being, you know, what it means to be a man, which is a big, you know, I, that's a question I used to ask myself a lot and, and, and get the unbelievably wrong answers when I was, when I was younger, you yeah. know? Um, <laughs> and so in college, um, I suffered in silence and uh-huh. I did go to see a psychiatrist uh-huh. um, and, and, you know, he actually, he told me, you know, again, he, it was labels, but he said, look, you have this, there's medication for it. Uh, um, I was willing to do anything at that point and, yeah. you know, did the medication. He also recommended me get into evolved in a group, you know, like in a, uh-huh. in a, uh, um, a therapeutic group, which I didn't do because I was like, I just wanted to do the, I just wanted to take the least, the, the path, yeah. path of least resistance. Um, and I didn't want to have to leave my dorm room and say, I'm going to a therapy group or, you know, whatever it may be. So I hit it. I hit it for my friends. I yeah. took the medication, which was very helpful at first. I mean, it was really when, when he told me, when he said, oh, he kind of smiled. He goes, oh, this is like, he's heard this a million times. Like mm. it made me feel good because I was like, oh, I'm not the only one who has this. I'm not Brilliant. going crazy. Brilliant. Um, and he was, you know, he, he probably overprescribed me at that point in time, but, you know, I did, I took the medication. I just didn't tell anyone about it, which mm. probably wasn't the greatest thing. Um, I eventually got off medication before I went to graduate school, but then it kind of came roaring back because of what I said before. I hadn't done any of the internal work. Mm, exactly. I, I just took the medic. I just took the medication. I didn't do mm. any internal work. So of course it's going to come back. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I also, um, I, I, 
I, I've come down pretty hard on medication in the book because I believe, in my opinion, that 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 people are overprescribed. I think that some people are do very well on medication, and it's amazing. Western medicine is unbelievable. I think that the 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 some doctors, some psychiatrists use it as a first line of defense when I think that they should it should be used as a band-aid to get mm. people through a bad period of time or if they're you know really struggling. Um and of course, if they come off and it doesn't work, then they go on longer term. But I, I do believe mm. there's people out there who probably could be living a life without medication. Mm. They've just never tried it. I actually got scared. What happens is you you get frightened about what's going to happen if I – it's like a crutch. What's going to happen if I come off of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been off of it for decades now, and, um, and you know, there's been definitely been a few times where I've been like, when my dad died and some other stuff that happened in my life, like, um, like I might need something. But I just did what felt right in the moment, which was just – which I talk about a lot in the book was just – sit with those feelings and let them process through your body and it sounds so easy it's the hardest fucking (laughs) thing to do um but it's if you let it metabolize out of your system um the next time it happens it won't be as intense you know oh it's so beautifully said uh we need and that is that i think is something that we have uh completely forgotten to do was it more normal for our previous generations i think it was um to actually uh, more live through the emotions and feel them um there were not as many ways how to escape your reality in the past uh to say one thing um and yeah, i think exactly so therefore that was there um and People didn't have the money to to let's go go back two hundred years. The sugar was still a treat, uh, not a oh yeah let's eat let's eat sweets. And nowadays, a little child that falls over, the very first thing that happens, mum shoves a lolly down their throat. And now they know. Okay, I cried and I get sugar fix, and I feel better. Hey, I've been not laying down a really nice route towards the wrong thing. Instead of mum just sitting down, spending the time and say, oh, sorry that it happened. Uh, Let's just, you know, let's just sit here together and it will actually go away. Are we not teaching the wrong things? Because our generation has been taught the wrong things from very well-meaning the generation before. Because I, I, I strongly believe our parents never woke up in the morning and said, you know what? Let's fuck up our children royally. And um, but rather they did their best that they could do with the knowledge and the experiences they had and the trauma they had. Um was there much trauma? Yeah, no. Sorry. You... Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Um yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I I I I'm still trying to reckon with I think I still have a lot of anger and resentment. Um towards my towards my family towards my mother and i'm really it's, it's an everyday job i mean i i'm trying to work on that because she's not going to be around that much longer and i don't want to i don't want her to go to the grave um you know um not knowing me and not knowing you know what i felt i went through but also to have mm-hmm. some sort of you know um proper relationship with her if that's possible at this point you know mm-hmm. and um 
uh, yeah, the, the the thrust of the book, because you just touched upon it, uh, really is more about it, it, it's a tougher road. It's it's about sitting with things. It's about mm-hmm. um, I tell people right up front in the book that this isn't I'm not going to coddle you. I, 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 I'm going to tell you that I wake up. I still wake up on days where I'm like, I feel like it's 15 years ago. Like, I'm like, oh, I thought I already did work on this. I thought I already ex- exercised this from my system. <laughs> and I'm like, there it is again. And I say it, it, sometimes it's just waiting for you to let your guard down. Mm. And I think that even though it's painful and even though it feels like your world is, you know, coming, crashing down on you, it will, if you can get through that, and and not you don't have to be alone it could be through a therapist a friend whoever it is if you can get through that the resilience you will build and the richer life you will live you don't even understand you you won't even understand it in the moment um and i'm sure you know that from this you know from what you went through in your in your you know going through your getting to sobriety it's it's a i i don't i didn't want i'm happy that i didn't skip across the 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 surface of life like a rock right i had to go through some really intense stuff um and um and, and look i'll say i'm also very very privileged you know i i'm not i'm not over you know fighting a war right now like huh. we we live you know i live every day i live a very good life so when i say the struggle you know, sometimes you can't tell someone could have all the money in the world, the best, and they're, and they're just, they're they're having the toughest time of their life inside. Mm -hmm. It's all how we perceive life. It's all internal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know if that's making any sense, but I guess Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that I think that going through these really tough emotions and feeling them, um, and I'm speaking to myself when I'm, when I'm saying this, um, will develop a much deeper, uh, three-dimensional individual um, who will be able to interact with life in, in in amazing ways. Yeah, and we need to accept this is not a pissing contest. Okay, it's not just say, "Hey, I've got a bigger trauma. Uh, I've got a, right, a right, harder, right, harder right. life." Hey, come on, see, I, I, I have more anxiety than you. Exactly. No, it doesn't work like that. Um, no, you're so right. You're absolutely right in 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 what you're saying. We need to accept. And on top of that. Two people could be go through the same exact thing, and one person has no trauma, and one person does. So perfect. It's 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 person specific. So whatever that thing is you're going through that's so painful, know that someone else has gone through it. Know you're not broken, mm. and you will get through it. You will exactly. And the other thing to say is often enough, um, we we perceive something because of things that happened to us in our younger lives. So there's very much core beliefs that are at some stage in your life that have been set down. And unfortunately, they're often very early in our first seven years or so. So this is not something that often runs on the surface, but it is something that is hidden deep, deep, deep inside. And suddenly you respond like Pavlov's dog. Uh, As soon as the bell rings, you start to slobber uh, because there's some trigger that gets you massively revved up and you have no bloody clue what it is. And uh, so I think that is where often the talking actually comes in because you need to explore with someone who is further down the road. You need to explore things 
that have happened to you and so that it allows you to maybe reframe things in your mind mm-hmm. but but you were saying from the head up so that is the head up work but then you've got also the, the below the head where actually uh, a lot of things are are uh, hidden there was a saying the issues lie in the tissues um yeah. <laughs> how has that happened how has that manifested with you yeah, you know, it's it's so you call there's there's two different modalities, the top down and bottom up, right? So top down would be, you know, the the talk therapy. Um and probably about 2-3 years ago, I felt that talk therapy was just it was just regurgitating the same thing over and over and over and just kind of spinning my wheels. And you know, all my, the, the therapists were unbelievably helpful. I wouldn't be the person I am today. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have been able to take the next step to try a different type of therapy if it wasn't for that. Right. So, nice. um, so I started to do actually do trauma therapy, which is more, it's very experiential. And I, I, you know, when I first started doing it, it was the most, it was very tough because for me, I want like A, B, C, D, E, do this, do this, you do A, and then when A is done, you do B. And and I think that's, that's a very male thing too. But instead, sit there, she's like, kind of what's, you know, close your eyes, what's coming up for you, you know, and so you're just listening to your body, really. Um, The other the other saying is body keeps the score. Uh You're just listening to within to see what comes up. And then you start to move through all these, you know, I mean, images come up, uh, sayings came up, beliefs, and ultimately you're trying to um, feel the feelings that that younger part of you was not able to feel when they were younger. And since you weren't, they, that part wasn't able to feel those feelings, it's it's trapped in your body, creating anxiety, creating illness, all Mm -hmm. sorts of things. Um, It's almost like you have one foot in the present and one foot in the past, and Mm -hmm. you're kind of nurturing that part of you. And it's, it's just, it's amazing how it works. Um, You know, again, I, you know, I try not to measure it day by day, like, did that, was that a good session, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really kind of more of the direction that I'm moving towards now um, to, to, really um get into the body more you know i work out a lot that's another that's another way that i really can feel my body more i Mm -hmm. I think that's the other thing is i just probably wasn't i was probably so disassociated when i was younger you know not even in my body really at at times so Mm -hmm. that that's what i would say just moving more towards that sort of you know uh Mm -hmm. therapy um Mm -hmm. but you know the the book you know there's so many things out there and I think one, the other reason why I wrote the book is because I think that if you look at everything, you know, everything, and I'm sure you've done a lot of different work and modalities, they all kind of come back to just a handful of things, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times you hear breath and breath work. And, you know, like right now, I'm probably breathing more shallow than I normally do because I'm on camera and all this stuff. If you can just do that one thing and change the way you breathe, it could change so many things in your life. Um, Absolutely. And then the observation, you know, observe, which is the second part, which is, you know, just understanding the data flow in your head. And that ties into core beliefs and all that stuff. Um, You know, it could be therapy. It could be journaling. 
where you're really understanding every day mm-hmm. what's going through your head. And when you really look at it, it's there are things that you say to yourself that you would never say to anyone else. You know, <laughs> it's it, it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, and I still do it. I still do it. And then <laughs> the last part would be um, where, where I talk about letting go. And it's really of, you know, really when you're sitting, it could be, you know, when you're sitting with um, these uncomfortable feelings, it could be, um, you know, pushing yourself to do something like I've done a little bit of uh, a little bit of psychedelic therapy where it's, you really are forced to let go, just let go, let go in general, like, I think people who suffer from anxiety try to control everything. I know I do. It's like I try to control everything. And if I just let go a little bit more, and that that section of the book is a little bit more esoteric, but um, you know, you go to Buddhism, you go to you look at you could just look around it, they all kind of talk about the same thing, you know, mm. especially breath work. <laughs> I love it. And I see that in my daily practice every single day. I'm an anesthetist and the people that are coming through, they're coming for their shoulder surgery and their spine surgery, whatever it is. Um, and there are certain, there's a certain subgroup of people, typically teachers, typically engineers, people who are always in control. Uh, they have to plan everything out. And then suddenly trauma happens, as in physical trauma, and they need a shoulder operation. And now they need to have an anesthetic where they completely let go of control Mm. and that is the hardest thing for this subgroup of people they're terrified they're mortified and these are the the guys i spent quite significant time in my clinic with before we before we actually meet in theater to actually Mm. just uh, explain things and and establish rapport and trust but this kind of anxiety that comes from this nearly pathological need for control um that is tremendous now which subgroups also have that need for control children of alcoholics just drawing another parallel here to you because you had to grow up much quicker because you had to learn to look after your mom you had to learn that promises are not being kept that you have to do it all yourself Uh, you're alone in doing it all these kind of core beliefs that are laid down for so many children of alcoholics mm-hmm. uh, or a similar group of people. Um, you know, if if I sort of listen to you, there are a lot of things that are sort of coming out from underneath that would work and you just think, okay, that all fits very nicely together there. Absolutely. I was just on an ACA meeting this morning, yeah. a call this morning, you know, yeah. so that's something that that's another modality that I've utilized to have just a better understanding of, mm um growing up in that sort of environment and it's funny you bring up the um the uh anesthesia that happened to me like i went and it wasn't too long ago that i had um i had to go in and i had to get anesthesia and i was like asking him a million questions and you know and now that i look back it was like the greatest sleep i ever had you know it's nice. it was almost like I was out and then I was up. It was like, I didn't even, you know. Exactly. It was crazy. And that's um, that's exactly what I hear afterwards. Oh, dog, can I go back to sleep? That was the best sleep I've ever. Why do, I had one woman waking up and she was crying, crying her eyes out. And I thought, oh my God, are you in pain? What's going on? She said, no, right. it was the best sleep ever. Why did I have to wake uh, up? <laughs> that's great. That's great. 
And it just shows if we can achieve a similar sense of serenity with other means, that is such a powerful gift. But we only appreciate that gift if we have seen the darkness, if we have seen the anxiety. Yeah. If you've never yeah. experienced the anxiety, you don't know what serenity is really all about. So therefore, and I Absolutely. guess that's that's where I love your your topic. Uh, don't run away from your anxiety. Embrace it. And yeah, yeah, it's it's leaning into it, and and um, and I think also the other thing with there's so there's control, but there's also what I've what I've noticed is there's an overcomplication of things, oh. right? Like there's got to be some other thing out there that's going to help me with that, this anxiety. Like I know probably a hundred times the amount of information that I really need to know to deal with anxiety. Right. I mean, it's always going to be the next podcast, the next YouTube video. And look again, I'm, I'm victim of it. Um, and I think that that's another reason I try to I try to distill things and just say, look, it, it's, it's, it's simple, but not easy. You know, uh -huh. it's, it's not, you know, like there's, they have these things like these wearables now that you can, you know, that, that are going to get rid of your anxiety. I, I've tried a couple of them. I'm like, I don't think you need to go that far. I think it's all within your person. Exactly. You know? Really is. I mean, of course you can take supplements. There's things you want to, you want to get great sleep. You want to mm -hmm. do things to supplement a, a, calm peaceful uh invigorating life but um we you know there's always something else that is going to help the anxiety and i just want to keep searching 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 and make it all real complicated you know and so i never get to the result that i'm looking for love it as a doctor however i would like to go one step back and just put that out there that anxiety can also be a sign and symptom of something else being out of kilter in your body so this anxiety oh, yeah. in its own right does not necessarily need to be a pure psychological issue whilst we've talked about it mainly so far in this show um, ultimately if you think about your uh, thyroid hormones being too high well that can give you very nice anxiety any kind of tumor that is producing adrenaline or adrenaline does kind of things well i guess what you're gonna feel that and it's there are a number of things that potentially could be biological that where your body is literally screaming out hey i need some help here um so i think one if you recognize yourself in those kind of stories that we are sort of sharing here then i think the very first step would be to go to your gp to your family physician not to get a drug but to actually get checked out, is there any underlying biological reason why you feel really weird? Um, is this kind of, of low-level depression and fatigue and yet anxiety? Is that actually to do because you're a woman, you're iron deficient, you're anemic, and you feel like shit? Um, that could be as simple as that. And once we actually change your nutrition and maybe give you the supplements that you need to uh, to fill up or to stock up your depleted body, well, surprise, surprise, suddenly you feel 10 times better. So it, it often starts with very basic, simple things. Um, the other thing, hydration. Um, the, we often mm -hmm. enough, most people run around dry like crisps. Uh, I see it again mm -hmm. and again. That's why in theater, I give everyone a liter of fluid into the vein because inevitably they are dry. 
uh, despite the fact that I tell them, look, drink up until two hours before a, before the operation. Um, it is, there is, we run around chronically dehydrated. Again, are we surprised that we see higher levels of anxiety? So here you go. So just that's talking. A, no, that's a really good point. Um, and I, I know that when I was younger, um, I, you know, I did go to the doctor for, you know, for numerous things. I think for me, it became what I would say about that. I think it's really important and you should rule out all that stuff because, because usually people with anxiety, I remember I, I thought I was having a heart attack. So usually people will end up at the hospital. Hmm. I'm having a heart attack. They run a bunch of tests and they're like, you're just having a panic attack. You know, and people are like, that's so um, I think it's really important. What I will say is that when the doctor or two doctors or three doctors tell you the same thing and that you're fine, you need to stop going to the doctors because <laughs> that becomes that becomes a I've I the reason I'm saying that is I've I've had one of my flavors of anxiety was health anxiety, right? right. Like there's something wrong with me physically. Huh. And people would laugh because I'm a really I'm really in shape. I, I take care of myself, I eat right, I hydrate. <clears throat> but I, I didn't go too far with it, but you can just, you just want the answer. You know, something got, has to be wrong with me physically because I, there's no way I can be feeling this way on my own. Um, so yes, go see your doctor. That's probably where we're going to end up first of all, anyway. Um, and then once you get the the answers from them, don't believe them, you know, um, because otherwise you'll go, you'll, you'll create this whole thing yeah. where you just have yeah. to keep going to more and more doctors. Yeah. I love that. I love that. If so, basically, rule out nasty things, and then if they say, "Ah, oh, it's just, it's just an anxiety attack," that's when your journey really starts, because then you can start exploring what is actually really happening here. Yeah. Um, so you've ruled out the, the nasty things. Congratulations on that. You've ruled out the heart attack. You're quite right. Fifty percent of the chest pain uh, presentations to an emergency department are typically non-cardiac. Um, so in other words, now you don't have a heart attack. This is anxiety, musculoskeletal pain, et cetera. So it's quite wow, important. Wow, 50%? Is that yeah. So it's about that ballpark wow. figure, yeah. So I think that is the important bit, though, to realize that there is um, that these are messages that your body is sending you. And we have not learned to stop and listen. We have not learned to actually figure out what is really going on. Only people like you with anxiety, people like who have gone through nasty depression, people who have had bloody near-death experiences, you need a big hammer on the head before you actually stop and think, okay, okay. And some of us need five hammers before you finally listen. And so it's nice to actually uh, create an environment where we raise the awareness of the power that you hold yourself mm -hmm. by exploring things, how that works on your body. Um, you were saying the breath work and the empower, the, such a power in breathing. And with that, what we do is basically it's the diaphragm. There's just a, a dome shaped muscle. So in our chest here, and every time you take a breath, you sort of push down and come back up. Mm -hmm. If we practice that, we're actually also massaging the parasympathetic, the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that is the nerve that restores, that heals, that calms down. So by us simply actually using this technique that is so simple, oh, we can make such a difference.
Um, yeah. How you were you were talking about uh, about sport and did you have any experience with regards to uh, trauma focused yoga or trauma focused exercises? You, oh, you mean like a modality for anxiety that yeah. involved yoga? Um, yeah, you know, I did a lot of Kundalini yoga, um, which, um, you know, there's there's a lot of breath work and uh -huh. and Kundalini yoga. Um, I never really had any because I there were periods people had experiences. You know, they were saying Kundalini yoga, Kundalini yoga, you really have to be careful with because there's this whole. Um, releasing this kundalini energy um you, you probably have to read about it but huh. it can be uh, it can be psychologically harmful for people who don't know what they're doing i mean even even just breath work i mean if you're huh. doing really intense breath work you know you can go into psychedelic places right <laughs> so i would say kundalini yoga is probably really helpful it's more um really more about the mind than the body kundalini yoga mm -hmm. um, however there are some there's some poses that you hold for very long very yeah. long times yeah. um i've done some heller work which is similar to um rolfing i don't know if you know much about yeah. rolfing but yeah. it's very intense massage and really the idea is to get your muscles back to kind of where they were when they were younger like huh. like it's like taking a pillow and fluffing a pillow um and as we talked about before the issues in the tissues huh. if you're doing that really tough work and you're releasing this stuff hmm. that could create um a, a, a scenario where you you might go through a phase of like not feeling great but then eventually as that flushes out of your system hmm. so there's unbelievable body hmm. workers and hmm. energy workers and hmm. all sorts of things like that out there um hmm. is that what you were asking yep i mean ultimately there are so many so many modalities out there um and we are all finding ourselves right here right now we are ready for something but often enough we don't know what is out there um and therefore i'm sort of touching upon a number of things here um personally i I struggle a little bit, little bit with the the kind of the, the crystals and the the vibrations, etc. Part of me is still the sort of Westernized doctor who thinks, yeah, what a hocus pocus. Uh, the other part of me has experienced healers, has actually worked with some very powerful people who did things with me through me uh where i have to say okay hang on uh, there is a bit more to that so and it's that kind of thing so i um when i when i wanted to learn more about breath work i became a breath a breath uh, coach um i'm now becoming a, a yoga teacher a yoga uh, a flexibility coach now i'm i'm as flexible as a brick okay let's be clear about that but um that does not mean to say that I cannot challenge my body. What actually what I experience is, is quite a lot of release when I hold poses for a longer period of time. And what I realize is that during it as part of that, that trauma yoga, just flexible, well, I call it flexibility yoga for the sake of it. Um, I'm actually pausing. I'm breathing. I'm letting go. Hey, sounds a bit familiar, isn't it? <laughs> Was there not something that yeah. we <laughs> exactly? So you yeah. can you can use uh, a uh, physical exercise to exactly achieve that. 
Um, so it's just a different approach. Whilst you might not be ready to go for meditation, you might be ready to go actually for some physical exercise that achieves exactly the same outcome. So therefore, whatever, wherever you are in your life, I guess the point I'm trying to make is there is hope, there's help out there. And you just don't know how that teacher or that helper looks like. Some of them come in really funny shapes and, and forms, but there are ways forward. Um, and I think that is where your book comes in, where you raise your awareness, where you raise the, the knowledge of people out there. That's where your passion comes in. And that's that's a fantastic. Yeah, it's one like it, it's one step forward. I mean, it, there's a lot of patience involved too, because this. Mm. I think initially I wanted everything to go away immediately, you know? and that <laughs> it just doesn't doesn't work that way because life wants me to look to learn something, right? Yeah. If I were to go through that and be done with it in ten minutes, I wouldn't have learned anything, and I wouldn't have started to take this journey to explore deep within, right? You know, you. You, um, it's funny, we were talking about healers. Um, there's a bunch of Maori, Maori healers. I mean, mm -hmm. I know there's one in LA that, that my wife saw and they're very powerful individuals. And, um, so I'm sure, you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced that and, and yeah. I don't know what sort of modalities they practice, but if you can find these things all are, are, I think add-ons, right. They, mm -hmm. they can help, they can assist. But ultimately, we're with ourselves 23 hours a day, right? For the most part, or 23, 24. We're with each other 24 seven, right? And so I, I was um, about to say, what do you do the other hour? <laughs> yeah, you can, you can cut that out. Um, <laughs> but so in, in, in talking about meditation, like we can meditate on the, the mat. But then what do we do with the, the 23 hours? At, you know, when we go out nice. into the world, nice. do we take? take that mindset yeah. out there. So I think all these things are fantastic. Again, just be careful not to overcomplicate things. And you really have to find out what works for, for you. Mm. You know, mm. you were talking about working out um, or, or doing the yoga poses. Yes. And you're also sitting with the uncomfortable feelings, right? Absolutely. You're longer periods of time. You know, I, I bought a, um, I built this kind of cold, I have a cold plunge at my house and you know, I know it's the rage now, but you know what? For people who suffer with anxiety, um, to sit in that, my body goes into fight or flight. Same thing that happens when you have a panic attack or or high levels of anxiety. And I just sit there and I slow down my breath while I'm sitting in this cold water. That, in that three minutes, I can take that into the world. And that's, I'm going to be able to be more resilient because of that, right? Absolutely. Um, so if you have that mindset with these things you're doing, and, and that's why I say, if you lean in, go a little farther than you think you can, because next time you'll be able to go a little farther and a little farther. And the, the body and the mind are, are flexible, man. Even when you, as you get older, I know people say you can't teach old dogs, new tricks. Well, humans, hmm. you can. So that's my point. Oh, absolutely true. But also the other thing that we need to say is all your approaches there are actually about taking action. We talked about the hydration, we talked about uh, the sleep, we talked about the nutrition, you took action, you made small changes, but in, in a consistent way throughout your whole day. And so therefore, but if someone who is taking action is no longer the passive victim, 
So you're no longer paralyzed by anxiety, but you're actually taking control back in your life. Uh, and that yeah. is so beautiful. I think that is another key message and a, a thing that puts a smile on my face. Um, when I say, okay, this morning, I actually got up, had a shower. I then, um, I, I rushed actually into an interview, but it's okay, in between, I made sure I eat something. I hydrate. Um, I, um, I'm getting lots of, enthusiasm here i know that i've fed my soul today but i know i haven't fed my body yet in the sense of i haven't given him some exercise some oxygen some stretching all those kind of things that it needs so i'm looking forward to doing that later on in my day so it is i'm taking control back from the anxiety and should an, a, a panic attack come then i will sit down and do some actually some experiencing first i actually i see it as a message or as a messenger from the universe from my body to tell me hey you fucked up um something is not right let's figure out what that is and i think this is a powerful thing this is again i'm a recipient here not a victim i'm changing the the story i'm writing a different ending for the next chapter I think that is important. You guys are in control out there. And Chris, you are you're you're manifesting that. You are modeling that. That's what your book is about. And that's amazing. Um, that's where your filmmaking is about. I mean, where do you go? Yeah, I know you're you're a filmmaker. Is that some work that you're addressing in due course? Or um what will happen with you? Who's the new Chris who will develop in 2024? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm going to say, I don't know. Like, that's one thing I never ever felt comfortable saying before. I felt like if I didn't know, well, who knows then? And I'm like, I'm starting to say that more often now because it's, it's every day. I just try to show up every day. And, and like you were saying, take a shot. Like you said, took, you took a shower. Like some people, that's a huge thing. Just taking a shower, like for some people with anxiety, they can't, they have it horrible and they can't leave their room or their bedroom or whatever. Right. You just do one thing. It will lead to other things and bringing up, I just want to bring up the medication again, really quickly, because I think that in this world we live in now, um, my, my belief or my judgment is that um, everyone wants the quick fix, right? right? Um, or they just want everything quickly, including right. myself. I mean, you just want the quick fix and medication sometimes can look like that quick fix. Um, and I think that, that doing, like you were saying, doing these, sometimes it's easier to do that than to say, I got to get up. I got to work out. I got to do this. Those are the only things that are going to make me feel better. It just seems more overwhelming for that person. Mm. But again, I think if people just give it a shot mm. and, just do one thing and know again know they're not broken and doing that inner exploration their life will change their life will change because i i'm doing it i'm not going to say i did it because i think that anxiety lives in somehow still lives in me yeah. um and it will always live in me it's just how i relate to it right mm. my relationship with it is different now and that's why i call it a dance the dance is I don't see it as this dark, ugly thing anymore. I see it as that's the hand I was dealt with. And there's a lot of, like you were saying before, 
if I could, if I didn't experience that terror, I wouldn't be able to experience probably the joy that I experience in my life, right? Mm -hmm. there, it's the flip side of the coin. The ability for you to feel deep pain gives you the ability to feel exaltation and joy, right? Um, and so, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a warrior's path. Um, I think that I look, I think generation is, is up for it. I do. I mean, I see, I see how they're standing up to the things that are happening in the world. Well, if they could stand up the like they do like that for the things that are happening internally, hmm. I think it'll be good. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. Chris, you're an amazing man. Um, uh, it's, it's wonderful to talk to you. If people want to know more about you, where can they find you? Um, they could go to my website, which is just my name, ChristopherGladis.com. And that'll, I probably haven't updated in a while, but there's all my projects are on there. The, the book is on there. Obviously they can go to Amazon. Um, that's probably the, that's mm -hmm. the big gorilla that has, you know, they can go there and get the book. Um, I will say that my audio, I know a lot of people are into audiobooks, and that's going to be released probably in the first of next year. So I'm really excited about that because cool. um, I just know people just love just listening to books mm -hmm. and not having to like, you know, while they're walking around instead of having to, you know, read a book. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, those are the best places. And then Instagram, I just, I've got a, just started to kind of roll out on Instagram, talk about the book. Um, I got clips from podcasts and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So um, those are probably the best. Cool. Guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast because all of, of Chris's links are down there. Whilst you're down there, press the like and subscribe button. And whilst you're there, you might think, well, what was really cool about that? And put it into the, the comments there and so that, that uh, Chris and I know uh, where we got it right or maybe learn from you. There might be something that you have experienced and that we didn't touch upon. So if you can make this world a better place by sharing that snippet of information or that nugget of gold um i want to hear about it cool chris you're an amazing man thank you so much for being a guest on my show um you certainly made me think you certainly made me um just re-examine some of my own faults and you strengthen some of my resolve that actually by doing what i'm doing i'm on the right way Sometimes there's the imposter syndrome. Sometimes there are these other syndromes where you think, oh, uh, who am I that, to actually say that this is the right way? So thank you. You made my day for actually just make me keep going. For that, I'm ever so grateful to you. Yeah, well, thank you. This is really wonderful. I love talking about this and helping people any way I can. And I think that you know, you're doing a wonderful thing. You were talking earlier on about you know, New Zealand and, and the male population there. And, mm. you know, you're showing that that's can be different, you know, mm. and, and doing this out of, out of, out of the love for, for informing people. So keep doing what you're doing. Same to you, brother. Cool. And you guys out there look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.